you know, it's so important that, that, that these young men and women realise that there are opportunities out on circuit. There are more opportunities. I'm Beatrice Collier. And I'm Georgina Wolfe. And this is the Pupillage Podcast brought to you by Middle Temple and us, your hosts. It's a podcast for anyone considering a career as a barrister, from students at school, university or on the law conversion or bar course. It's for those contemplating a career change later in life and wondering what it might entail. And it's for the army of pupillage applicants out there, from those applying for pupillage for the first time to the battle-weary, giving it just one last go. We know that at times the search for pupillage can seem daunting, so in each episode we talk to junior barristers, fresh from their own pupillages, members of pupillage committees, senior barristers, QCs, judges, masters of the bench and lots of other guests and ask them for their advice, what to do, what to avoid and how to succeed. One of the biggest decisions any of us have to make is where to live. If you fancy the life of a barrister, you may be relieved to learn that you don't have to commit to London with its high property prices and horrendous commutes. Instead, you can be just as successful living away from the city and practising on what is known as a circuit. In this episode, we talk to two circuiteers about some of the joys that life on circuit has to offer. Born in Malta, Master Judge was called to the bar in 1963, and before retiring in 2013, he was not only a Lord Justice of Appeal, a Privy Councillor, the Head of the Judiciary, Lord Chief Justice, Treasurer of Middle Temple, but also a passionate circuiteer. In talking about the joys of life on the Midlands circuit, Master Judge told us about some of his own setbacks and shared some of the advice he had picked up along the way. So, what are the circuits and why do they exist? The circuits exist because citizens all over the country are entitled to the same quality of justice as the people who live in London. And the circuit system is designed to make sure that there are quality lawyers, quality barristers, uh, practising in Cardiff and Bristol and Manchester and Liverpool and Leeds and Newcastle and Birmingham and Nottingham, so that citizens can go to them for advice so they don't have to come to London for it, and that in court there are men and women barristers to produce the highest quality advocacy and advice that everybody is entitled to. And that's at the heart of it. For convenience sake, the country's divided into six circuits, and the purpose of that is to ensure that because the numbers are smaller than they are in London, that high quality is maintained. I see. So it describes, if you refer to a barrister on circuit, then what that means is a barrister who's working out of London and uh, he or she will be in one or other of the circuits that you've just just described, one or other of the regions. Yes, you choose where you go. I mean, it depends where you come from. It depends where you have contacts. It depends on lots of different things, including where you want to live. Because the other advantage of being on circuit is that you can live out of London. And that, for some people, is incredibly attractive. Yes, I've no doubt at all about that. So tell us how, how you chose where you decided to practice. Uh, well, um, it's a long story, but I was offered a pupillage. At the end of the pupillage, 
they very politely said they didn't have room for me, which meant they didn't think I was quite good enough. But it's very encouraging, I <laughs> yes. think, for people, because we've spoken a lot about how on the path to pupillage you can encounter rejection a lot, and it's really important not to be put off. Oh, it is absolutely crucial. If you want to be a barrister, you have to keep going at it. I mean, I come back to the, to the question of what, how I went out on circuit, but if you want to be a barrister, if you're sure, provided you are sure that's what you wish to do with your life, you have got to give it every go you can, and you have to face the fact that from time to time there will be disappointments, sometimes big ones, and you have to put that behind you and carry on. The thing you mustn't do is to back off. You mustn't back off because you think it's not for you, or somehow or other you don't fit, or somehow or other people aren't being nice to you. You have to take each disappointment as it comes and face it, and eventually face it down. Because in the end, there are lots of people you're going to spend your life with. You might fall in love, fine. But in the end, one of the people you have to live with, and the most important, is yourself. And to go through life thinking, well, if only I'd had the courage to go on with it, I might have made it. It must be dreadful. To go on with it and go on with it till you succeed is wonderful. But to go on with it until eventually it is absolutely obvious that somehow or other it is not for you means you can, you can live with yourself. You have done your very best without backing off. Now, going back to my story, it's a very silly story. I mean, this is how silly it is. My best friend at university was a solicitor in Derbyshire. He had introduced me on a blind date to his wonderful young cousin. And the clerk of the chambers that said that they didn't quite have enough room for me said, well, I see that so-and-so, a firm of solicitors in Derbyshire, is briefing you. Maybe you better go and see if you would join the Midland Circuit, because Derbyshire's on the Midland Circuit. And that appealed to me. Um, and so I found another set of chambers. I was found. People helped me, don't get I didn't find it myself, but people helped me find a set of chambers with a Midland Circuit connection. I went to those chambers, and luckily by the time I had finished, they decided they did have room for me after all. And so that's how I became a member of the Midland Circuit. I think there's a real temptation for students to think that everything is in London, the Inns of Court are in London, and therefore not look outside London. But actually there are real benefits to life as a circuiteer, and I wonder if you can tell our listeners some of the ones that you experienced. Well, they, they do think that, but then the whole country is London-centric, and it's a great flaw in our country that everything is focused on London. Um, so... I personally welcome the idea of people going out to practice on circuit. Um, there are very high quality local bars. I've mentioned some of the big cities, very high quality. Indeed, in many ways, it's a broad generalization, but in many ways, the quality of advocacy is higher for these reasons. It's much briefer. People don't go on and on. Um, you, you think of your points, you're encouraged um, as a circuiteer because you're going to be in another town tomorrow. You're not going to be in London tomorrow, you're going to be in another town, another city. And so you make your points. The judges are, themselves have probably practised on that circuit. Um, they know you, um, you know them. It's not a, there's maybe personal friendships, but of course when you're in court you're both on duty and you're doing your duties in your different ways. But there's a, there's, a, there's a relationship between the bench and the bar which is of great help um, to you as a young advocate because the judges will be saying, oh, how is this, this bright young man? Right, gosh, my word, she's very good or he's very good. 
and they'll talk to each other about it. If you're not so good, I'm afraid they'll also say the same thing, <laughs> but that's, that's part of life. And so it's a combination of things. And I mean, the further attraction for me is that in my 25 years in practice as a circuiteer, in the whole of that time, only one dirty trick was played on me, and that was by somebody who came from London. <laughs> um, and the dirty trick point is another one that you need to remember. Um, this is a very competitive profession. If you get a brief, your friend doesn't. Or the other way around. If your friend gets a brief, you don't. So you're in competition. And the thing I found on circuit, I suspect this is true in London too, but nevertheless it is a feature of circuit life. If you go into any barrister's, solicitor's robing room for that matter, any advocacy room with a problem, there'll be a stranger there who you've never met before, and you'll ask him what the answer is, and he or she will give you their best. They won't necessarily be right, and you make your decisions. But there's plenty of advice about, there's plenty of guidance. I remember the, about the very first time I went out on circuit, uh, I made a mitigation plea. And at the end of it, one of the senior QCs on the circuit, a delightful man who became a personal friend, took me out for a cup of coffee and said, now look, um, that was quite good, but you must never have your hands in your pockets. You never describe going to a pub. This is 1965, which is a long time ago when you said public house. And he said, you look up at the tribunal, you do not look at the, down at the notes you have taken. You have to master what it is you want to say and look at the tribunal in the eye. Now, that was completely unnecessary. It was a kindness to me. Um, it was trying to keep standards up, of course. And all those points, I never did put my hands in my pockets again, and I never used the word pub until one of the witnesses called it a pub. And um, as for looking the tribunal in the eye, that's one of the things that I think has gone from advocacy. People do, do look at their notes, do read out what they've written down. Instead of mastering it, having their notes, I always had my notes as a sort of as a comfort, but you need to look at the person you're talking to in the eye in court, just like you do in real life. I mean, the idea of having a conversation looking down at your feet while you're talking to another man or woman, I mean, it wouldn't cross your mind to. So you have to learn that too. But my point is, it was help from the very earliest days. One other thing I've seen from my own friends who are on circuit is that the chambers that are based on circuit tend to be a much broader mix of practice areas or tend to offer a much broader mix of practice areas. Whereas in London, there is a real drive towards specialism. So if you're at the very beginning of your practice and your, your career and you're not sure what area is the best for you, that's another thing that may appeal. You could go somewhere on circuit where you can try your hand at lots of different types of law that perhaps you wouldn't be able to do in London. Does that sound right to you? Um, Absolutely. I think that uh, everywhere is getting more specialised, which I think is a pity, because I think that the barrister's uh, profession is about advocacy. You really should be able to master just about any case in any field and put forward the case that your client's instructions tell you he or she has. Um, on circuit, the trend to specialisation has happened but not, I think, to the extent that it's happened in London. And so if you went into a set of chambers on circuit um, as a pupil, you probably see many different kinds of work in your year of pupillage, which would stand you in good stead. And if then you were taken on as a tenant, you would, you would be able to do different kinds of work. I mean, 
the profession has changed. As I say, when I started, it was advocacy. You prosecuted, defended, acted for what were then the plaintiffs, the defendants. You acted little planning cases. You did little employment work. Um, the opportunities for seeing where you would like to spend the rest of your life are greater in, on circuit, but you must remember that for many years it will be expected that you will do different kinds of work. For me, that was an attraction and would remain an attraction. And if in due course you become a judge, it's so much better to have lots of different areas of practice. You do know what bail means. You understand that. You know what the principles are. Uh, you don't have to have anybody to tell you. And you do know what an injunction is as well. And again, you don't need anybody to have to tell you. You know what the principles are. So you, you develop a much, a very broad approach to the law, which, as I say, I've personally found immensely attractive. I'm beginning to think it's time to, to move out of London, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's sounding amazing. Well, look, in the end, it's, you know, it's like everything else. London is amazing too, but I didn't have that experience. I had the experience of being a secretary. I came to London. My chambers were in London, but we practised on circuit. Incidentally, that's a point we need to make, that you can be in a London set of chambers but nevertheless practice on circuit. So, of course, I was thrilled to bits. I mean, my word, a circuit boy getting a set of papers from a big London city firm. I was in silk at the times, but I was still a circuit boy. You've outlined for us in a most attractive fashion, if I may say so, some of the attractions for working on circuit. Um, have you got any other advice that you'd like to add for students who are considering where in the country they might want to practice and are keen to keen to build a life outside of the metropolis or outside of London, rather? I, I'm not sure I can. I, I think that if you if you want to live in London, that's fine. But the opportunities living out of London are very good. And now, whether you choose to go and try and make your uh, start a practice or take, get taken on as a pupil and to get taken on as a tenant in a town or city near to your home is a very personal decision. Um, don't forget that when you're making your personal decision, there's, of course, there's the days when you're starving and you have no work, and with luck, there'll be the days when you're reasonably prosperous. You're never going to be absolutely rolling in money as a circuiteer. But you are going to earn enough to have a reasonable life if you're lucky and successful. Um, don't do this job for the money. It, it, is, it is the most wonderful thing to do, but don't do it for money. Don't think, I want to be a barrister because you know, I'll be able to have a Rolls Royce made up of, in gold. Do it. <laughs> do it because the, you're interested in people. I think that's my first advice to you. Do it because you're interested in, in all sorts of people that you will meet in my life on circuit, but I'm sure this is true of a London practitioner. But because of the breadth of the practice you could have as a, uh, as a circuiteer, I think maybe you had a better chance of this. I came across the most terrible people, people that you were ashamed to be the same part, part of the same human race as they were. And you met some wonderful people and, 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 and noble people, and you thought, oh, God, faced with that situation that this man or this woman's been faced with, I hope... I hope I could do what she did or he did. And that's why you do the job. They all need your help. Um, they need your advice, they need your honest advice, and they need the 
truthful advice, not the advice they want to hear. They can get that from everybody else they talk to. You are the man or woman they want to have the truth from. Do I have a reasonable chance of winning this case? And if they don't have a reasonable chance, it's no good saying, well, it'll be all right, really. You have to say, no, Mrs. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so. I'm sorry, your problem is this, and it may be a problem of law, maybe a problem of evidence, but it is a wonderful place, a wonderful practice to have as a circuiteer. I always say I am a circuiteer whenever I go on circuit, and I think there'll be those who appeared in front of me um, when I was a judge who tended to get me occasionally saying to them to send my best wishes to Leeds or <laughs> Liverpool or Birmingham because I knew they were circuiteers. And one of the reasons I knew they were circuiteers is because they got up, made their points shortly and simply so that even I, a thick judge, could understand them. <laughs> You once said, we circuiteers must stand together. What did you mean by that? Well, the essence is what I've been saying. There is a tendency for the whole country to be London-centric. There is a tendency, even today at the bar, for London to be regarding itself as somehow superior. I still occasionally hear people practising in London talk about the provinces. Well, that's what the Romans in Romans said about the British. (laughs) (laughs) And it's patronising. And it's still there. Not, not a lot, much less so. And the fact of the matter is that they have no idea how good and interesting life can be on circuit, what high standards are available on circuit, and that life at the bar on circuit can be as rewarding and interesting and sometimes more rewarding in the ultimate sense and interesting than life in London. So I am a circuiteer. Thank you ever so much, Master Judge. We've really enjoyed listening to what you have to say. We so enjoyed hearing about the life of a circuiteer from Master Judge that we wanted to hear a little more about the life of a junior barrister practising outside London. Christian Howells is a member of 30 Park Place in Cardiff and a door tenant at One Crown Office Row in London, so he was in the perfect position to help us compare life in the city with life in the regions. Fresh from his victory in IT Jamaica in the Supreme Court, Christian told us about the advantages of going to the sort of mixed common law set that you tend to find outside London. So Christian, you offer quite a unique perspective for our listeners because you practice in a chambers in Wales, but you're also a door tenant in a set in London. How did that come about? Well, I studied practicing in in Wales a common law set, um, thinking originally I wanted to do crime. I continued for the first couple of years doing a mixed bag of crime and civil and then eventually started to develop a practice in public law, um, primarily through the Gurkha litigation to begin with, and reached a position um, at about 10 years call where I was primarily a public law specialist. Public law can be quite London-centric. There is plenty of work available in Wales and um, because of devolution, the amount of work and um, the areas that are covered um, by Chambers and Wales is growing. But nevertheless, I felt that it would be beneficial to have a door tenancy in London so, so as to have access to the larger pool of work in, in the public law area um, that's available in London. What do you do as a door tenant? Well, as a door tenant, you're not a full member of Chambers. You're not entitled to use a room all the time and, and base yourself there. Uh, but you're entitled to use the clerking services and so you can um, go to the social events with Chambers and network through Chambers and put work through Chambers. And so it's a good way of um, getting London-based instructions in the public law area, which can be quite London-centric. 
So being a public law specialist in Wales, the point of getting a door tenancy in London was to gain access to some of the larger amount of work um, that's available in London. And so how long have you been a door tenant at uh, One Crown Office Row? Since October 2017, so um, about a year. Christian, you decided to base yourself from chambers in Cardiff, and obviously I'm guessing from your accent you're Welsh, but tell me about how you went about choosing the chambers that you applied for. Did you consider practising in London? Did you consider practising elsewhere in the UK? What what was your thinking? I did consider practising in London, and I ruled it out fairly early on. So um, I'm from the South Wales Valleys. My family uh, were in Wales at the time. I went to Bristol University, and when I finished and was applying for pupillage during the third year, I knew um, pretty strongly that either I wanted to practice in Bristol or in Cardiff, one, to be close to my family, but also, two, um, I wanted to go to a common law set, and they are readily available in um, Cardiff and in Bristol, and you can have a better quality of life as a junior tenant in a common law set in the regions than um, I had the impression would be the case in London. Gosh, there's loads to ask about there. First of all, can you explain what a common law set is? A common law set is a set of chambers that covers a wide area of um, civil law, public law, crime and family, which has the benefit of being able to try different areas. So if you're not um, absolutely clear what area of practice that you want to practice in, which, frankly, at the age of 21, um, is not a reasonable expectation of many people. The benefit of a common law set is that you get to try a few areas. And um, I started out thinking I wanted to be a criminal barrister yes, and turned down a training contract at a law firm um, on the basis that I wanted to do, go to the criminal bar. But then within a few years started to develop a, a specialism in public law. So you don't really know where your practice is going to take you in a common law set. And that's the great thing about it. You can organically develop your practice. A lot of practitioners would say that an area of law in practice is very different from what it's like to to study. And I don't know if that corresponds with your experience. I absolutely agree with that. And I I make that point frequently, that an area of law um, in study, you're focusing on the principles of law, whereas in practice, it's very different. I mean, the, the... usual case in practice can largely be determined by matters of procedure and will always be determined by fact. And so you're not always engaging with um, principles of law until perhaps you go to um, the administrative court or or appeals where you're dealing with neat legal points. Uh, And so practice is very different. Um, Crime in in practice is very fun because of jury trials, um, because of rules of evidence, uh, and because of the camaraderie amongst the criminal bar. Um, not because um, it's uh, legally complex in the sense that you're dealing with legal principles day in, day out, other than rules of evidence. Can we talk about quality of life? Because it was a very interesting point that you mentioned there, that uh, your impression was that you can have a, enjoy a better quality of life practising in the regions. What sort of things were you thinking about so that our listeners can understand? Well, as someone who spends um, some time now in London um, because of my um, associate membership... London's quite busy. Um, House prices are expensive. Um, Undoubtedly, when you start out, unless you're very fortunate, um, you'll be living in the suburbs somewhere and we'll have to commute every day, even just to get to chambers or to go go to the courts that you're covering. Um, I get the impression, I don't know because I didn't practice here as a junior um, tenant, 
but that um, London chambers cover a wider, wider geographical area in terms of courts too. So the commute on a daily basis is longer than if, for example, you're practising Wales, you're likely to live closer to chambers. The house prices are less, take less of your disposable income. The countryside is closer. And so there are many benefits to practice in the regions um, as compared to London. But then, of course, London obviously has its own advantages. So it depends what you're looking for um, out of a set of chambers. The London bar is, I think, increasingly specialised and chambers tend to have very niche practice areas. There are relatively few mixed common law sets, such as you've described, in London. There are a couple, but not so many. Whereas it seems that in the rest of the country, there are far more, it's far more common for a barrister's chambers to be a mixed common law set. Is that your experience? Yes, I'd agree with that. Um, There are um, exceptions to the rule, of course. There are some sets in in Bristol and Wales um, that specialise. But the way the common law sets are typically set up is that they have teams instead. So you have teams within chambers that specialise. So I've always, um, in City Park Place, been a member of the civil team after I stopped doing crime in the first couple of years. Uh, And so um, I don't consider myself to be a common law practitioner who does family crime and civil. I only do now, public, but historically for the last few years, um, civil and public. So I've been able to specialise, but within the common law set. So initially I had the ability to try different areas and then eventually was able to specialise. But... The difference between going to a specialist set in London and being in a common law set is the availability of the work that you might want to do. It can be more difficult and the onus can be on you as an individual a little bit more to develop that specialism. Whereas in London, if you go to a specialist set, the work might be more readily available. So if you think that you do want to end up specialising in a particular area then um, you ought to bear that in mind. Many of our listeners, perhaps people who have taken the GDL and have only done a year of legal studies, might think, well, I've enjoyed learning about contract law, I've enjoyed tort, I've enjoyed crime, and I've even enjoyed equity, but how do I translate that into a practice? And one answer perhaps might be to look outside London to one of the regional sets who offers a mixed common law practice or a mixed chancery practice. Yes, absolutely. Um, As I've said, by going to common law practice, I was able to um, try a few areas and then eventually develop a specialism in one area, public law. So that has the benefit of being able to rule things out when you're a young barrister. But that doesn't rule out then being able to join a specialist set in London later on in your practice if you do then develop a specialism, such as I've done. So I developed a specialism in public law and then decided to obtain an associate membership at One Crawfish Row in order to... um, gain access to more of the public law work available in London. So just because you initially make the decision to go to a common law set in the regions does not mean in any way that you can't later in your practice go to a specialist set in London as an additional set of chambers or even as a new set of chambers. Certainly some of the students that I talk to as you say, age 21, it is really difficult to know where you might like to end up. Would I be right in thinking that at the sort of common law sets that you've been describing, it's not regarded as a weakness that you don't know precisely what you might want to do and that you have varied interests, but in, in fact, on the contrary, is, is regarded as desirable and a strength? I consider it a strength. So the fact that I've practised in a number of um, different areas I think, gives me um, a knowledge and and some different qualities that I can bring to bear in the particular area 
that I now practice. I do think it's a strength. Um, to some extent, you can um, have a more um, varied skill set having done different areas. So I don't think it's a weakness at all. I just know that sometimes people are worried that they need to be able to really demonstrate that they really, really, really want to do property law or whatever it might be. But actually, they haven't really got the experience at this point to be able to say so with with any authority. So so I know that sometimes it, it's something that concerns people that, that they might have a wide set of interests. Well, um, just as people may be concerned about going to a, um, a, a common law set because they think at that point in time that they want to do property, what happens in a few years' time if they realise that property in practice is not what they want to do and they're stuck in a specialist set? Well, exactly. Then the advantages of being in a common law set are, are readily... Visible because certainly sometimes it's said that your practice area chooses you rather than you choosing your practice area, and it, it seems to me that you you actually open yourself out to more practice areas choosing you. Um, I agree with that. My practice area chose me, and you don't know what the circumstances are that you're going to be operating in. So, for example, when I joined a chambers in Wales, although devolution and was at its early stages. We're now at a point in Wales where the um, Welsh Assembly are passing quite a lot of primary legislation that is very different to legislation in England. That has opened up a lot of opportunity for public practitioners in Wales to be at the cutting edge of developing that legislation and being in the cases that help interpret and push on that legislation. And so you are to some extent, beholden to the circumstances in which you're operating in, and you can develop your practice organically in that sense. Do you have any advice for students who are applying for a mixed common law set, what they should put on their applications? I think it's advantageous when going to a mixed common law set that you are flexible. And the reason that you're going to a mixed common law set is because you're not quite sure what you want to do. Now, I'm not saying that's what you should say if it's not what you mean, but if that is the type of person that you are and you just want to be a barrister and at the moment in time you don't really care in what area you practice, it's being at the bar that excites you, then that is something that um, you should use as part of your application and interview process um, because that, what, that is what makes you attractive and, and you will be trying all areas in, in chambers and will be available to the clerks in all the different areas that need covering when you're a junior tenant. If you're applying to a Chambers out of London, is it a good idea to talk about your connection, the connection that you might have to that area? If you're, for example, if you were brought up in Wales, is that something that you might look out for in a pupillage applicant? We don't look for a connection to Wales at the exclusion of all other things. What we're looking for is potential, because we have members of Chambers who didn't have a connection with Wales before they applied for pupillage and obtained pupillage and are still there many years later. So I wouldn't discourage people from applying to an exciting environment in Wales just because they don't have a connection to Wales. Um, But nevertheless, if you do have a connection um, with Wales or any other region that you're applying to, um, then that does give the chambers you're applying to uh, an indication that you may not be someone who's going to do pupillage and, and then go elsewhere. Finally, Christian, we wanted to ask, is there one thing that you wish you'd known when starting out? Whilst it can be advantage when applying to common law chambers that you are flexible in what area you want to cover, on the other hand, there is nothing wrong with saying, um, I want to do family law, for example, because notwithstanding um, my chambers in Cardiff is a common law set, it has a very 
big, um, well-regarded family law team. And if you want to do family law and want to join that team, then there is absolutely nothing wrong with saying that. That, that would be a strength also. So just because you're applying to a common law set does not mean that you shouldn't, if you generally harbour um, a desire to practice in a particular area, express it clearly in an application. And so it would be absolutely essential in that situation to do your research about chambers so that you know, for example, that 30 Park Place has a large family practice so that you didn't apply to a mixed common law set saying I really wanted to have a family practice whereas in fact family isn't the main area of practice for that chambers. Yes, you do need to do your research about common law sets. So they don't all do the same type of work and whilst some chambers may say that they do all areas of work, the reality may be that they do criminal and family but don't do much civil, for example. And if, you, if your interest is leaning towards civil law, then that is something that you should know about that set of chambers. They may not have much civil work for you, and you may end up doing more crime and family, for example. So just because you go into a common law set doesn't mean you shouldn't research what type of work that set does. One thing I always recommend is people go beyond just looking at the website. A chamber's website is designed for solicitors, so may promote a particular area of law that a chambers is looking to expand. It's essential to cross-check what is said on a chambers website against the legal directories such as Chambers UK, the Legal 500, that sort of book, in order to work out which are the real leading sets in a particular area. Well, chambers websites are a source, and as you rightly point out, they may be aspirational rather than fairly reflect the type of work that they do, point number one. Point number two, the directories are a source, but they're not entirely accurate. Um, and there are people um, I know of who practice on circuit that really ought to be in the directories, but are not. And so don't think that the directories um, either in, um, paint an entirely clear picture either. The best way of getting to know a set of chambers is to do a mini pupillage there. And so if you're someone who thinks that you are attracted to the idea of a common law set then make sure you do mini pupillages in common law sets so you get a better understanding of what the reality is of practice in a common law set. Do a mini pupillage in a specialist set so you get a better understanding of, of how specialist sets work. Whilst on the subject of work experience, I would also say that I consider it vital to do um, vacation placements at law firms too so that you are able to demonstrate in an application that it's advocacy that you have a passion for, that it's specialisms at the bar that you want to be part of, and you are able to draw the distinction between a specialist solicitor and a specialist advocate. I wonder, Christian, something else that I sometimes advise people to do when they are trying to peep behind what's on the, the splash page of the website and actually understand the reality of life in a particular chambers is to look at the cases that members of those chambers have been in often they'll be featured on on the new in the new section of the of the chambers website so that way would you agree that that's another way in which you can try and understand the reality of of what practice areas are that particular chamber's strength yes i would agree with that so if you can't get a mini pupillage there and speak to people personally then looking at people's profiles within the set is probably a better indicator of the type of work that's available rather than looking at the general um, prose on the Chamber's website, because that may be aspirational, whereas the profile will be work that the individual practitioners have already carried Has out. A- have actually done, yes. yes. Brilliant. Well, thank you ever so much. Thank you for listening to the Pupillage Podcast with us, Beatrice Collier and Georgina Wolfe. 
Brought to you by Middle Temple. Production support and music by Alex Dopirala. Huge thanks to the wonderful team here at Middle Temple. James Rogerson for helping us with the logistics, Darren Latty for coffees and pastries, and Colin Davidson for his enthusiasm, encouragement, and awe-inspiring little black book. Please check out the show notes for more on our guests, links to sources of information, and a glossary of terms used in each episode. We'd also like to thank all our clerks and our senior clerk, Mark Waller, who've not disowned us for sneaking off down the road to Middle Temple for recording sessions. If you have questions you would like answered in future episodes or want to give us some feedback, please email us at pupillagepodcast at gmail.com. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people to find the podcast. Are you a Welsh speaker? No. Oh, I was going to get you to say, welcome to the Pupillage podcast in Welsh. <laughs>